unity and diversity in the body. Just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made out of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While presentable parts need no special treatment, our God has put the body together, giving the greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gift of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Love is indispensable, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Uh, thanks, Serene, for reading. Uh, please keep your Bibles open to page uh, 1784 as we uh, look at uh, the core value of community, as we continue our sermon series on the core values that we have as a church family. And please remember there will be a time for questions after the talk. Uh, given the developments of the coronavirus this week, uh, it so happens that God's word that we have before us tonight has a number of important things for us to hear. Uh, before we get into this passage tonight, will you please join me as I pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word that helps us understand who we are as your people, as well as your plans for our world. Heavenly Father, please help me to speak your word clearly tonight. And we pray that you will prepare us as we hear you speak about your purpose of the body and the part that we play in building up the body. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've said in the talk previously, we live in a world that's become more and more connected. From Facebook to Twitter to texting, we are closer to each other than ever before. 
Uh, in this day and age, we have instantaneous access to everyone, from our neighbour across the street to our favourite celebrity. But the dangerous irony of all this is this connectedness has also made us more isolated than ever before. According to the studies by Australia Psychology Society, they say that one in four adults, Australians, are lonely. And so our society, as you can see, they're starving for real community. And that's something that we as a church can provide. Now with the developments of the coronavirus pandemic this past week, one could think that something like this could actually threaten our core value of community as social distancing is is happening and may continue to be a possible reality for us here as a church. But community isn't based on what we just do here on Sundays only. It's much more than that. And our passage tonight will show us what is at the heart of being a community under God and what Christian community actually is and what we'll see is exactly what we need in a time like this. Uh, Tonight we're going to see three things. Firstly, we're going to see the community as a body. And secondly, how the different parts relate to each other. And then thirdly, what would it look like if community really was a core value for us? Firstly, I need to give you some context of 1 Corinthians as a book. Uh, The Corinthian church has a ton of problems. And one of those problems is how they're divided as a community. And at the core of this division is their self-centeredness. Where rather than delighting in the the diversity of the different abilities that God has given them, they are craving for those gifts that get the most attention. Is that they all want to be alike rather than diverse. They're like being an orchestra where everyone wants to play the oboe. Well, we come to our passage tonight, and the first thing that we see is how Paul talks about community as a body. Where in verse 12, the body is made up of many parts, many different parts. Now, that first verse of our passage, at the end of verse 12, I'm expecting Paul to say, the body is made up of different parts, so it is with the church. But it's stunning. Um, He doesn't actually say that. Have a look at your Bibles with me. The last bit of the verse 12, he doesn't say, so it is with the church. He says, and so it is with Christ. Now that just lifts the argument significantly because we're not just talking about people. We're talking about the Lord Jesus. You see, the point that Paul's making here is that if you're a person who's made Jesus your Lord, if you're a person who's been baptized by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you become part of Jesus' body. Uh, It's interesting. Uh, Before Paul became a Christian, he was a Pharisee who was persecuting the church. And in Acts chapter 9, he meets the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus. 
And do you remember what Jesus says to him uh, back in Acts 9? In verse 4, he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, Paul wasn't persecuting Jesus because Jesus had already been risen and ascended and gone into heaven. But no, Paul was persecuting Jesus because he was persecuting the church of Jesus. He was persecuting Jesus' body. So if you're a Christian, you're automatically part of Jesus' body. And that has enormous implications for how you view yourself, for how you see yourself as a person who's deeply loved and accepted by God. Now, we live in an age and society where uh, there's a real consumer attitude to church, where it's so easy to shop around for the church that appeals to you most, either because you like the music or because the food at dinner is really good. And it's so easy to treat the church like a club, where we show up once a week, get what we want, and then leave for dinner without reaching out to anyone at church. But that's not what Paul's painting here about the church. And I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about us as people. And if we really grasp what Paul's saying here about the church being a body, then it will shape our attitude to how we see each other. And the big point is, you are just as important as me, just as important as an eye is important to the ear. And so it's with this illustration of the body, well, Paul makes three points to actually convey how different parts of the body relate to each other. And the first point that Paul makes here is, we are made differently so that we can depend on each other. You see, God has deliberately arranged things so that we need our brothers and sisters. No one can go at it alone. And Paul's argument is this. If all my body parts were feet, I would be really good at running. But I'll keep smacking into walls because I won't be able to see where I'm going. That's why, as a Christian, it's important to keep turning up to here on the Sunday gathering, subject to coronavirus pandemic going. And it's important for us to be part of a growth group because you need us. You won't make it on your own. But the thing is, we need you. You're a unique person who brings things to the table. Gifts, insights, perspectives that the rest of us don't have. To survive as Christians, we need community. We need to depend on each other. Uh, So much so that in verse 26, it actually says, uh, please have a look there, verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. 
Uh, notice the spectrum of emotions. God has brought us together on a great journey to walk together, to encourage each other to live for Jesus. And it's going to have great highs. But there's also going to be waves which will bring about big lows. A rich range of emotions and experiences which is actually what life actually consists of. And especially with this thing that we're confronted with, with coronavirus. We need each other more than ever. But more of that later on. Uh, The second point that Paul makes of how we're to relate to each other is that some gifts are more important than others. In our egalitarian culture, we want to say that all gifts are important, that all contributions are equal. You've learned that at infant school, haven't you? Where kids are applauded no matter how great or how terrible their work is. We all get a prize at the end of the year, which is exactly the same size as everyone else. No one is any different from the next person. But the Bible says... Some gifts are more strategic than others. Now as people, I have to say this, as people, we as Christians are equal as we stand before God because of what Jesus has done. No one is loved more compared to another. All are equally loved even if some have more important gifts than others. God loves us in spite of our contribution. Now that actually can be hard for us to take on board because for most of us, that's not how our human families actually worked. But in God's family, there is no favoritism. No one is more treasured, even though our giftedness and our contributions may be uneven. And especially with our church family, where we are people in different vocations, in different professions, where your giftedness is really important, and you're constantly rated on your performance. However, the temptation is that we may turn up to church with the same mindset, to rate my performance and on how much I do, how much I contribute, to how essential I am on the team, and to rate everyone else that same way. That's the world's thinking. I can say, you might be thinking this tonight. You might be thinking, oh boy, I find church really hard. I don't have much to contribute. I don't have great gifts. I don't have much capacity compared to other people. If you've ever thought that, I actually want to say to you tonight, maybe that's true, or maybe it isn't. But what I've got to say is, you are just as valued. You are just as loved. You are just as treasured by God and important to us, because that's how the kingdom of God rolls. But here's the warning. Don't confuse loud and impressive gifts, those gifts that turns everybody's head, with important gifts. 
Back to the illustration Paul has of the body. Now some of the parts of our body are very public and visible, and some parts are covered up. But the covered up bits are no less important, actually sometimes they're even more important. So for example, if you've lost your hair, and as a look around the room, some of us might actually know what that experience is like. If you've lost your hair, it might be a bit cold a little bit in winter, but it won't kill you. You will survive without it. Hair is not so important. But without your kidneys, well, you wouldn't last very long at all. They can ask you, in this last week, which of those two things have you spent the most time thinking about? How, which is the one that you have spent most time grooming or looking after? And which of those two things, when you go to the shopping aisle, has the most meters devoted to equipping you to care for it, making it look good? Uh, maybe you didn't even leave the house this evening without that cursory look in the mirror to check that everything's okay in the hair department. When was the last time you stopped in front of the mirror and said, how are my kidneys looking like these days? Sometimes the less important things get all the attention, while the really important things go unnoticed and undervalued. It's easy to be impressed with the one who sings really well or the one who articulates their prayers really clearly, which is something to appreciate. But to undervalue the person behind the scenes, the one who cooks dinner, the one who quietly welcomes the visitor when they come, the one who chats to the person in the corner because that person's going through a hard time. God's word is saying that the gifts that don't often get the attention are actually more often the gifts that are indispensable. But at the end of the day, God is the one who has put the body together. He's the one who has distributed each gift. As we relate to each other with our different giftedness, and because of that, we're to work together. And keep looking out for each other. Uh, verse 25 in our chapter actually summarizes all this. It actually says, verse 25, So that there should be no division in the body, but, as, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Uh, Paul has a third point of how we're to relate to each other. And it's this. Thirdly, our motivation... To serve must be love. Uh, in this chapter, chapter 12, Paul, after detailing a range of gifts that God has given to the church, that very, very last sentence of the chapter says, and something read it for us very clearly, that last bit, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And that introduces us to chapter 13 where Paul talks about the most excellent way, which is love. Because when it comes to how you serve and how you use your gifts, love is more important 
than how gifted that you may be. Uh, please read, me, read with me the first four verses of chapter 13, page 1785. Verse 1 says this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, then I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 1 Corinthians 13. It isn't a fluffy, gooey poem that's written in the Bible so that it could be just read out at weddings. You know, when Paul's letter arrived at the church of Corinth, the Corinthian church didn't think, hey, what lovely and sweet words these are. When I have my wedding, I want this read out. I want to say, i got to say, if you have got lovely memories of your wedding and this passage was read out for you, I'm sorry to be trashing that happy moment. Actually, I'm actually not. Because like the Corinthians, we need to think straight about love. Because love will be the foundation for how we're to function as a community. And that brings me to my last point. What would actually look like Community is a core value for us. Our core value for community is actually stated like this in our vision. It says this. We are committed to being an inclusive, caring, loving, and cross-generational Christ-centered community as we live integrated lives in deep relationship with one another. Uh, that sums up everything that we've seen tonight. As we, as a community, we are Jesus' body, where we live integrated lives, where we deeply love each other, as well as be inclusive, caring and loving to everyone who wants to join us. As I wrap up, let me leave you three quick things to think about as we embody this core value for ourselves as a church family. Firstly, uh, the Get Involved sheet. Uh, in your bulletins, you've seen uh, this yellow Get Involved sheet that outlines different ways to be involved in our life together in love. Uh, you may want to think about, after tonight's talk, about looking at the needs of our church family and where you can make a real difference. Also, let me just say, please don't be restricted to, to just the list. There's a whole heap of informal ways in our church community, in our relationships, in our growth groups, in our conversations, all sorts of ways informally where we can be encouraging one another, where we can take up the idea of how God has made us in order to make our community the type that we see in this passage tonight. The possibilities are endless. That's the first point. Secondly, 
we are to be accepting and loving of each other. As we seek to be an inclusive, caring, loving, cross-generational, Christ-centered community, well, we've got to recognize, well, we are different. And so we will have different views on things. We're going to be in different life stages. We'll just have different personalities. But because of what we've just seen in 1 Corinthians 12, yes, we are different. And our diversity is what makes the body of Christ work. Now, because we're different, uh, we're at times are going to be like those talking parts of the body in Paul's illustration. And at times, we will disagree with each other. We will argue. We will bicker. It's inevitable that will happen because we're all broken and imperfect people. But even though we can be so different in how we think and how we act, the one thing we do have in common is the thing that's most important. And it's the reason why we're part of the body in the first place. It's because of Jesus that we're made part of this particular body. And we need each other precisely because we're different. So let me encourage you. Let the one thing we have in common be the basis for how we do life. Because we're we're united in what's really important and our diversity will make what we do all the more richer. My final point is this. Thirdly, this is our time to be the community that our society needs, especially with regards to the coronavirus. As you all know, our society, we're increasingly anxious. Anxious for our loved ones, anxious for ourselves. It seems like it is a time for fear. But whatever happens, please know this. This is our time. God has raised us up for such a time as this. It's no accident that we're here. This is our time to just not think about ourselves, but about each other, about our neighbours, many of whom are scared, and that will only grow all the more as this virus spreads. This is our time to actually hold out the word of life to those around us and give hope to those who are afraid and wondering what's going to happen. This is our time to actually trust God no matter what the future holds. Because unlike our secular neighbours, we know where our hope lies. We know where our security lies. We know where our future lies. It's with the one who's conquered sickness, the one who touched the lepers, the one who healed them with a word. It's with the one who defeated death, not just for a time, but forever. It's with the one who will return to resurrect this world and all the bodies of all who trust in him. So let's not be afraid. Let's not give way to panic. Instead, let's together serve those around us who are filled with fear. Let's be ready to give our energy, our time and ourselves to serve those who don't know Jesus yet. 
let's be ready to even share what we have, even if it is a toilet roll. That may only seem like a matter of time that we may not be able to meet like this like we do tonight because of the coronavirus. But the bond that we have as a community, as a body of Christ, it goes far deeper than physically seeing each other on a Sunday night. And so let me encourage you, let this core value of community shape how we serve and care for each other in this pandemic that we're in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the Lord Jesus, that through him we are saved into a relationship with you, that is through him we are now part of your body here on earth. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will renew our hearts, that you will open our eyes to help us see your love and how that shapes how we're to love and serve each other. Please remake us. Please mould us to live lives in thankful obedience in our community here at Absolute Presbyterian, but also uh, not only for us to build up and encourage each other, but that we can may reach out collectively in our wider society, especially during a time like this. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.